And it's so good to be here. I want to thank Pastor Meyer for allowing me this opportunity and good to be here. I was I was here with you all yesterday and I kind of feel like an Olympic gymnast at this point where you're trying to nail the same routine three times. <laughs> and the team, the all around and the individual. So at the end of this sermon, I will dismount onto the floor and do this. Okay. All right. So, and I've never done that before, so which is kind of cool. I want to, uh, I want to uh, direct your attention to the Word of God as it is recorded in Matthew chapter seven, twenty-four through twenty-seven. And those words say, "Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house." On the rock, the rains came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had a foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. I want to talk to you a little bit today about what are you doing with yourself? Amen? What are you doing with yourself? And it is okay to say amen if I say amen. You have my, my permission. If I do it, you, 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 could, you, you could do it too. You could do it. And I wanted to, to, to talk about this, this passage because it begins in chapter 5. This is the culmination to the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus starts out in chapter 5 describing the citizens of the kingdom of God. And he talks about, about their character and the Beatitudes and who the ideal disciple, what the ideal disciple looks like. And then he talks about their relation to the world in verses 13 through 16, talking about us being salt and light. And then Jesus moves on to talk about not just the citizens of the kingdom, but the righteousness of the kingdom, really in contrast to the traditional interpretations. He spent some time talking about murder and, and adultery and different things like that in verses 17 through 48. And then in chapter 6, he moves on and with respect to your relationship with God, what does righteousness look like? Culminating in verse 33, that says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and its righteousness, and all these things will be what? Added unto you. And then with respect to your relationship with others in chapter 7, verse 12 says, do unto others as you have them do unto you and thus fulfill the law and the prophets. And so Jesus goes through talking about the citizenship of the kingdom, the righteousness of the kingdom. But then he moves into the entrance to the kingdom. And that's in verse 13. And he says this, enter through the narrow gate for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life and only a few find it. And then he goes on to talk about the distractions to the kingdom like false prophets in verses 15 through 20 and false professors in verses 21 through 26. And Jesus spends this time also talking about this contrast of twos with the purpose really of helping us to realize that we need to choose. Jesus was a preacher that preached for decisions. Amen. He preached for decisions. And so he says there are two gates, narrow and wide, two ways, narrow and broad, two destinations, life and destruction, two groups, the few and the many, two, many, two trees, good and bad, which produce two kinds of fruit, good and bad, two kinds of people who profess Christ, sincere and false, two builders, wise and foolish, two foundations, rock and sand, and two kinds of houses, secure and insecure. 
Many people love to hear Jesus' teachings, but they don't realize that he was driving for his listeners to make a decision. And so when you have all of these tools, he said, there's really is a, there's a, there's a binary nature to the, to the preaching of the gospel. I need you to choose. Either you're going through the narrow gate or the broad gate. Either it's good fruit or bad fruit. So Jesus says, choose. It's reminiscent of Ezekiel 33, verses 30 through 32, that says this. As for you, son of man, your, your people are talking together about you by the walls at the doors of the houses, saying to each other, come and hear the message that has come from the Lord. Many people come to you as they usually do and sit before you to hear your words, but they do not put them into practice. Their mouths speak of love, but their hearts are greedy for unjust gain. Indeed, to them you are nothing more than one who sings love songs with a beautiful voice and plays an instrument well, but for they hear your words, but do not put them into practice. Jesus says, I need you to choose. You remember in Joshua 24, he says, but if serving the Lord seem undesirable to you, choose ye this day whom you you will serve. In 1 King 18 and 21, Elijah says, what? How long halt ye between two opinions? If, if Baal be God, then serve him. If God is God, then do what? Serve him. Jeremiah says, furthermore, tell the people, this is what the Lord says. I'm setting before you the way of life and the way of death. Life comes down to this question because there's really one real impediment to what's going to happen to you in terms of your choice. What are you doing with yourself? And so, in my sanctified but culturally influenced imagination, I, I can imagine that humanity has a car, and on our car, we have a bumper sticker, like most people do. And our bumper sticker doesn't say anything about an honor student at a particular academic academy or that we support the local high school sports program. Our bumper sticker has something on it, and it's called self-determination. If we had a motto for humanity, a mantra for humanity, if we had a bumper sticker, that's what our bumper sticker would say, self-determination. Although many believe this is the great solution for humanity, it actually is a terrible problem. Self-worth, self-dependence, self-promotion, self-interest, self-importance, literally self is killing you. Self is killing you. And, and, and what Jesus is trying to get us to realize and what God really wants us to say, if I could get you away from yourself, you'd be just fine. You'd be just fine. But you're literally killing yourself. And I'm killing myself when we are self-determinative because every, every time we are self-determinative, it ends in what? Destruction. It always does. Self-determination ends in destruction. Now, the enemy has a car, not a very nice car, but he has a car. And on his car, he has a bumper sticker as well. His bumper sticker doesn't say self-determination. His bumper sticker says self-deception. And self-deception, he knows, always leads to death. He is always willing to assist us in killing ourselves. The example goes back to the Garden of Eden, and, and you recall that Eve had a discussion with the serpent, so always that's your first mistake. Anytime you have a discussion with the enemy, it will lead you to do three things. You will end up, when it comes to what God has said, it, you will end up diminishing the privilege, you will end up distorting the parameters, and you will end up discounting the penalty. Those are the three things that happened in that discussion. And, and so Satan comes and says, did God really say, did he really say 
this. And so you begin to question God instead of going back to God, as James would say, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God to give it to all men liberally. She engages him in a discussion and ends up getting so many things wrong. Say, yeah, God said we could eat of the tree. That is not what God said. God said you might freely eat. Don't diminish the privilege of what God said. She said, he said we could, we we shouldn't uh, eat of the tree in the center of the garden or touch it. No, that's not what God said. Don't distort the parameters of what God says. We're always in the business of trying to distort what God has said for our own gain. And then she said, and in the day that he, that we eat of it, we will die. No, that is not what God said. What did God say? The day that you eat of it, you will, you will surely die. That's a, that's a different, that's a different understanding. That's a different understanding. I can recall many times growing up, as Sister Felicia's already said, that I was precocious. That's a nice way of saying I was a terrible little kid, which I was. But that's good for you because that means there's hope for your terrible kids. Your terrible kids could end up on, on stage preaching and teaching the gospel too. And I remember there'll be times that I would be out and I would be with my mom and my sister and I would act terribly and my mom would promise me, when we get home, you're getting a spanking. And there were certain things you could do if you were out with mom or, or, or dad that, that, that if you were nice enough, if you were quiet enough, if you helped with the groceries, you did a few things, that by the time we got home, she wouldn't do it. But there were other things you could do when you were out that mom would look at you and say, when we get home, you will surely get a spanking. And I could not discount that penalty. Amen. So self-deception is it always leads to death. That's how you can be in a place where it says enter through the narrow gate for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and many enter through it. It's not as if the broad gate and the broad way has a flashing sign that says if you come this way, you're going to die. No, the, the, the enemy deceives people into thinking that their consequences, uh, that, 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 that what God says is not going to happen. He diminished the privilege and they just, he distorts the parameters and he discounts the penalty and people are deceived into thinking that what they're doing as they are self-determinative will not end up being exactly what God said will happen. And that's how so many people end up again choosing that broad gate and that broad road. The good news is God has a car too and it's a nice one. God has a car, and on his car, he also has a bumper sticker. His bumper sticker does not say self-determination. His bumper sticker does not say self-deception. God's bumper sticker says self-denial. Self-denial. And what does self-denial lead to? It doesn't lead to destruction. It doesn't lead to death. Self-denial leads to discipleship. Amen? Then Jesus said to his disciple, whoever wants to be my disciple, whoever will come after me, let him do what? Deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. And whoever wants to lose their life for my sake will find it. That is the the wrestling that we have with God all the time. We're we're trying to wrestle between self-determination and understanding it's self-denial. And if you begin to understand and view uh, the life experience through this lens, things become very clear to you that it doesn't matter what you want to do. It doesn't even matter what feels good to you. It doesn't matter what's natural to you. God says, whatever it is that you think you want to do, don't do it. Why? Because I need you to deny yourself I need you to get away from yourself as soon as you can because yourself is killing you 
that's kind of what we're always wrestling with. God has given us some direction and says, no, I know better than you what needs to happen, so I need you to deny your natural impulse because if you think about it, everything that is natural by definition is not spiritual, and God is only interested in our spiritual well-being and us moving forward in him in terms of those kind of things. So God wants us to deny the selfish impulse we have to want to do what we want to do. He wants us to follow his direction, and that leads to discipleship. Now, in Luke chapter 14, there there are three verses that really help us to understand what it takes to be a disciple. Just three things I want to tell you quickly. If anyone comes to me uh, and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yet even their own life, such a person cannot be my what? Disciple. Can't do it. Jesus says you can't. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciple. There are three things that will mark a disciple of Jesus Christ. And I'm talking about somebody that's going to enter into the narrow gate and then begin to build on the right foundation and build a house that's going to be able to last and stand. Amen? We're all building in this life. And those of us that are believers in the body of Christ have entered into the narrow gate, and now it's time to build and go on in Christ and do some things. He said, if you're going to be able to do that, a disciple has to have three things. It has to have a surpassing love. He says, I, he says, I need you to love me so much that, that, that when you look at the love that you have for mother and sister and, and, and brother, that it actually looks like hate because that's how, that's how different it is. That's how deep it is. Anyone who comes to me has to be able to, to love me in such a way that when you look at father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yea, even their own life, if you don't love me like that, you can't be my disciple. The surpassing love at the cost of personal relationships. Amen. The second thing is, and whoever does not carry their cross cannot be my disciple. A cross in, in, in those times many, really meaning submission and you're under the authority of somebody else. You have to have a surrendered life at the cost of personal rule. Amen. You carry the cross. That means that I'm doing, I'm on your time. I'm on your agenda. Most people in life want Jesus Christ to be Savior. But that's not the deal he cuts. He says, I am Savior and Lord. You need to do what I say. So I need a surrendered life at the cost of personal rule. And the last thing is I need a sacrificial loyalty at the cost of personal riches. Those are the three things he says. And if you can't do that, you cannot be my disciple. That's what we call obedience. That's what he's looking for. You cannot be a follower of Jesus Christ and not follow him. You can't be a follower and not follow. It's implicit in, in the word the same way that you cannot be a swimmer and, and not swim. You can't be a runner and not run. So if I asked you, if, are you a swimmer? And you say, yep, I'm a swimmer. Then I ask you, when's the last time you've been in the pool? And you start talking about high school. We got a problem. That means you're not a swimmer. You used to be a swimmer. And we talk about you being a, a, a baker, but, but, but the last time you actually ever baked anything was years ago. Then guess what? You're not a baker. You're not a swimmer. You're not a trainer. Whatever it is in that word, it's implicit. You have to do the thing that's been done. And so you cannot claim, beloved, to be a follower of Jesus Christ and not follow. So you go where he goes. You cannot stay where you are and go with God at the same time. Obedience, beloved, is the, what I call the sine qua non of faith. The Latin phrase which means without 
which there is nothing. If I don't see obedience, I can infer that there's not faith. That's what sine qua non means. And so the sine qua non of faith is obedience. The only way we build for eternity on the right foundation is to hear the word of God and then to do it. That's what Jesus says. Wherefore, whoever hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man that builds. James 1 says it this way. But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. We don't want to deceive ourselves. We don't want to be foolish builders that build buildings that are destined to crash down. And so my encouragement today to you is don't be about self-determination. Be about self-denial and then build the kingdom of God and follow him no matter what because obedience is what's required. Amen.